Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast Network, where we are all track nerds. This is Out of the Blocks with your hosts, Jasmine Todd and Caitlin Hutchison. On this show, we put the spotlight on the sprinters and field event stars who get a small portion of mainstream media coverage, but have some of the biggest personalities to go with their talent. We get to the bottom of what motivates them, why they show up, and what they're like not only on the track, but off of it as well. We're fortunate enough to be close with many of the people who we admire, respect, and look up to, so we hope you leave these conversations inspired and connected with each and every one of these athletes. We're bringing you new episodes weekly, so be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a rating and review at the end. As always, you can get more track and field content over at SidiousMag.com and follow SidiousMag on Instagram and Twitter. SidiousMag, where we love track and field. You know what time it is, track nerds. Let's get into it. Of course, of course, I'm gonna list a couple accolades here for the people who may not know, which they should know. But you are a one time Olympic silver medalist, a world silver medalist, also a Diamond League final winner, which is very impressive. But you also won uh, six Diamond League meetings as well. And so, I mean, first things first, I gotta ask where did the nickname Kung Fu Kenny come from? well, I like to ring to it with my name because, you know, obviously Kenny, but uh, it has a set of values that pertain to me, such as discipline, dedication, humbleness, and respect. And I just, you know, I wanted to stand out as a track and field athlete because, you know, we're all wearing the same uniforms. And, you know, when everybody's watching a race from TV, you can't really see, you know, the difference. Of, uh, you know, we all look the same wearing the same uniform. So I just wanted to be a guy that standed out. So um, I just try to live those um those values every day professionally and uh you know my everyday life so that's how we started with kung fu kenny and you know i'm kind of a quiet guy and and i think that just kind of pertains to me and like you know just go on the track and you know grind grind it out and you know come out with the w and just you know do the same thing i like how he got a he got a whole story usually nicknames come from somebody doing something stupid but you know i like (laughs) that you got you got some meeting some real oomph behind it i like it yeah thank you i figured there had to be because it it is very very fitting for you yes Mm -hmm. so before we get to like the nows we got to talk about how you even got here so how did you get into the sport of track and field um well, I'm adopted. Uh, me and my brother were adopted at the age of four. And, you know, I was just a high energy kid. And, uh, you know, we were in Oklahoma and I started doing uh, cross country in the beginning. And then eventually I just trickled the tracks and you know, I just kind of dominated every single year that I was in. Like I was always the fastest kid at the meeting and all that. And, you know, I just, you know, just, I guess my mom used to call me like a uh, secretary, the horse. Because every single time I was running the 400 meters, I just keep leading and going further and further away from the kids, and I just, I just always had the, uh, the love for the sport. Man, Secretariat is one of my favorite movies. It is so yeah. inspiring. We, we ended up watching it when we were younger, and my mom was crying, and then we were like looking at her like, "What are you doing?" So we moved to a different seat. <laughs> but you also mentioned a brother. You have a twin brother. Twins? I didn't know they were twins. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're we're twins for fraternal. We're uh, I don't know if you watched the movie uh, Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, there's some other dude, but me and him are like that. Like I'm very tall and he's short. We're we're complete opposites. I I'm a quiet guy and he's a little chatterbox and uh, you know just he's in the cross country. I'm in the track and I do football and he's more of a, a nerd than I am. So yeah. Which one's oldest? Uh, I am by a few minutes. Oh, my oh you got the it's funny it's funny because when people see him they're like you guys are not twins they're like yeah we are and uh he used to tell people like i just you know in the womb i just stole stole all the nutrients so. <laughs> i mean that's better than you eating him or something at least you only yeah, stole I, something <laughs> Well, I need some funny stories between y'all twos because I've only ever met maybe like maybe two sets of twins in my life. And it's always something funny going on between the two. So I need a funny story from you right now. Oh, I'm putting me on the spot. Uh, I don't know. It's been a while. Um, I can't think of one right now. I'm not, not on the spot like that. I can't think of one right now. All right, we're going to come back. We, so at yeah. the end of this, at the end of this interview, we always ask like fun questions. So just know that that question is coming back. If okay, I don't. no problem. No problem. Are you guys close? Because I've got twins in my family and they are just like inseparable. Uh, yeah, I'd say we're close. We're not like, like you know, inseparable, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty close. You know, we tell each other things that we won't tell anybody else. But yeah, we have a good, we got a good uh, relationship. Man, that is so cool. I wish I had a twin. <laughs> I, I always told him I wish we were actually identical because, you know, it totally be a whole different story. I feel like that I was going to so say, funny. how fun would that be? It was one of my questions until I saw that you guys weren't identical. I was going to say, did you guys ever switch classes or anything? Oh, no, but if we were, that definitely would have happened. <laughs> I feel like that'd be so funny, too, because, like, you were saying how you are more like the track guy and he's more the, the distance cross-country kid. So I could mm -hmm. just people being like utterly confused at like seeing you at a cross country meet and just being like yo I thought this dude was just winning like <laughs> world championships last year yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny so you also briefly mentioned that you played football do you ever miss football at all yeah I miss football a lot I I tell a lot of people that I, it's my first love um the only reason why I didn't pursue it uh, professionally is just because, you know, injuries, concussions, and every single time I was playing football in high school, I was always worried about my legs. Like, I wouldn't really do any extra stuff, like, I get tackled by one guy, or I'm going to try to break the tackle, but if another one comes, I'm like, okay, I'm going to let them take me, because I was always worried about my legs, because, you know, right after football was basketball season, and then right. and then track season, so I was always just, track was always on my mind, so that's how I kind of figured uh, that's where I was going to pursue track, because just because, you know, injury sake, I don't want to you know, I don't want to be in a professional sports or go through college and have a severe injury and then, you know, affect the rest of my life. Man, I love the way you think. This is why I don't want my kids to play football, but if they do. Well, it's a it's a fun sport. I mean, you know, you have all the all these people from different backgrounds working as one just to try to attain one uh, goal. So that's one of the reasons why I love it. Um, but like I said, it's just the whole other side of injuries that's just, you know, makes it dangerous. And now we got to get into it because you didn't go through this traditional D1 into professional. Like, and I love yeah. stories like this because it just shows you do not have to be a D1 athlete to right. 
make it far in our sport because I don't know where this idea just comes from and stems from, but I love to see that barrier being broken time and time again. So you went to a JUCO, JUCO um, Indian Hills Community College where you grasp the eyes of many track and field athletes mm -hmm. as a freshman. So what what is that story and how did you end up at Indian? So when I was in high school, uh, my first two years of school, I, all I did was just, you know, try to hang out with my friends and did a little I had to do in the class, just wanted to have fun and not really thinking about the, the bigger picture. And I think it was my junior year, you know, the school, D1 school started rolling up. And then that one question came, like, what's your GPA? So I'm like, oh, crap. So, uh, you know, the last two years of school, I just grinded it out and did a lot of summer school classes and uh, just got into a situation where I had the, the GPA um, to go D1, but then um, I guess the NCAA has some set of rules. Like, it's kind of weird, but the classes I did in the summer school, they didn't accept them. So I had the GPA, but I didn't have the credits. So then I had to take all my bad grades to get my credits to graduate. And uh, yeah, I, I had to go to JUCO. Um, I was originally uh, ashamed about the, the thought of going to JUCO. It kind of felt like I was a failure. And I know a lot of athletes have that same feeling, you know, they're ashamed and all that. They don't want people to know. And, you know, I, you know, after I actually got there, I just took pride in it. And, you know, we all have a thing where, you know, I, I see a lot of other kids that come from JUCO and we all, you know, like, oh, JUCO, like, you know, it's, it's kind of a thing, like, but I ended up going to Indian Hills because um, out of all the junior college colleges that recruited me, um, I liked the idea of going to a school that was pretty uh, new to track and field, and I kind of wanted to build the program just as I build myself, too. So, you know, I ended up going there and did everything I needed to do in the class and, you know, just kept my head uh, straight and I had my goals that I wanted to achieve and I ended up doing that. And then you know, I went pro in 2019 after a, a good year. You definitely like accomplish your goals of putting that school in that. I promise you, I didn't know who Indian Hills was before. I think you were like a 19 something. I was like, Here, hold on. Yeah. Let, me, let me get to that. I got the stats for you right now because in 2019, you ran the fourth fastest 200 meters of all time under any conditions, running a windy 1949 in the semifinals. Yeah, that day was that day was crazy because um, it was very windy. And I remember, I don't know, you guys know Terrence Laird, but he ended up yeah. going to LSU. And I was kind of the guy I felt like in junior college, you know, the kid that's always running faster than everybody else and breaking records. So uh, he ended up running a, a 1960-something right in the heat before me. So I was kind of like, whoa, like, you know, I know I'm that dude. So if he if he runs something like that, I gotta run something crazy. So then I just you know gave it my all and ran 1949, and everybody was going nuts. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like that. I did that kind of thing. Um, but I knew it didn't really it didn't really count, obviously, because the the wind. But it was just it was amazing feeling to actually run that fast under the conditions, and then finding out you know under any conditions that's the fourth fastest time is you know kind of an achievement in itself. So it's the it fact a crazy day. That you went pro right after. Because I was like, okay, I know it's windy. But I was like, there is absolutely no way that this dude is going to, like, he's not going back to school. Like, there's no <laughs> Yeah. That, I remember after running the, the 1949, I saw some people, like, you know, you got them coaches on the internet. They're like, oh, it's probably this time. 
uh, legal. So some people are like, okay, that's a 19.8, um, you know, if, at, with uh, corrections and all that. And then some people are saying, oh, it's a 20, 20, 20, you know, mid or whatever. So I kind of got upset about that. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna prove all these people wrong. And then the next day I went 44, seven and they ran 19.82. So. Okay. No. Don't worry. I had those on there. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got the stats because it, it's just insane to me. So before I even move on to the next day, which <laughs> you're insane. <laughs> Thanks. You're an incredible athlete for this. Thank you. So we talked about how it was, did you know you were running that fast when you ran the 19 four? No, I had no, I had no idea how fast I was running. I just, like I said, I saw Terrence ran, ran the 19.6. So I was like, I got to give it my all to beat that. Did you have any idea that you were even in that kind of shape? Oh, I had no clue. Um, <laughs> I was a little worried before uh, Juco National. So uh, what kind of shape I was. Um, but then I, you know, I was in, I guess the best shape of my life. So. And talk about the best shape because literally you came back the next day and proved everybody wrong. That was trying to doubt what yeah. you did the day before. You came back, you ran in 1982 into a negative headwind. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and only six men have ever ran faster into a negative headwind. Six men. With <laughs> all this time and all these years that our sport has been around, six men. And that negative 0.8 is also the um, strongest hindering wind out of all of those times just so you know so <laughs> I actually didn't know that that's actually pretty cool I, I don't really try to glorify all those little stats but I mean it's it's cool to make a little history um, but the funny thing is about that day too is I was more focused on the the 200 so when I was running the four, you know, I ran 44.7 I had a lot of left in the tank but I didn't really pull it out because I was trying to save for the two so I, I kind of, I'm upset about it because I haven't ran an actual, you know, 400 uh, being in the best shape for, you know, to run a 400. But, you know, I felt like, you know, back then I should have ran at least 44 low if I actually gave it my all. So I'm trying to figure out a time where I can actually focus on the four and go back into that and, you know, break my own personal best and hit the 43 mark. But I got to so figure that out. Do the opposite of, of of Mr. Man, Fred Curley, and just move up as a step. Listen, I'm here for all the movement. Like at this point, you making money. I mean, I know you probably got to talk to people about allowing that to happen, but all I'm saying is track, you should be allowed to have fun. As long as you can be good at it, then what? Mm -hmm. I well, I know, I know for a fact that I can run a good four because like last year I, I got hurt. So I only had about a month and a half, two months of training before I went to Mount Sac and I opened up with the four and I ran, I guess I ran pretty decent. I ran 45.2 and I, I kind of forgot how to reserve, I guess, at a, the 150 mark. I, I pressed a little bit too hard at the 200 mark and then I died. So I mean, I was, you know, happy considering the circumstances of the injury before to run a 45-2. I was like, okay, if I actually ran the race a little bit smarter, maybe that's a 44-9. And then I was also thinking, okay, if I actually had the off-season to get the full fall training, I, you know, that's, I think that's a PR for me. So I'm excited. Whenever I can get back to it, I'm going to be excited for that 400. And that, that is so impressive. And I kind of want to double back because not a lot of people understand what it's like to... <laughs> run fast into a headwind so could you explain what it feels like for you when you have to run into a headwind mm -hmm. 
for me i'm i guess it kind of depends on what race i'm running like if i'm running a four you know maybe sometimes a two you know you just get kind of get smacked you know if it, especially if it's a hard headwind so you're running nice and fine and you get hit by a wall and you just uh for me it's not that really big of a deal i just I'm just so into the zone that I don't really feel the wind at all. So I, I can just run through it. What is the worst headwind that you've ran into? Uh, I think the only worst I think I ran was maybe a negative three something in 100 meters. Um, yeah, I think that's about it so far. That's it. It's the only because <laughs> that's, still, that's still pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, I think I I think I ran that in in a hundred meters in college, um, but yeah, that that's what I can remember for right now. Man, and so, you know, you just talked about how I'm listing off these stats, and you didn't even know all of them. The reason why I like doing that is because I do feel like us as athletes, we kind of miss these little pieces of history that we've made. Mm -hmm. And so, now that you know this, your 1982 literally puts you with the names of. Olympic gold medalist and our former world record holder, Tommy Smith. Is that something that your younger self would think that you'd ever achieve? No. <laughs> uh, just finding out that, you know, I'm at, at that level, it's uh, it's totally, it's amazing. Um, just showing the, all the hard work I put in, you know, day in and day out. Um, you know, I'm among the greats in some of the categories. And I, I made a name for myself um, in track and field history. Um, but yeah, we got a lot more stuff to do and a lot more to accomplish. So, you know, but it's definitely a good thing. It'll be amongst one of the best. Definitely up there. And let's go into you, you turned pro in 2019. What a time to turn pro. What mm -hmm. was your decision factor on making that leap? Um, you know, in the not you know the next year is not guaranteed and you know next year if i decided to go d1 or stay in juco you know i could have gotten hurt and that kind of could have derailed everything so i just took a leap of faith and decided just to go pro and i felt like i was ready to go i had the right people around me and um ended up getting hurt i think right after i went pro so you know i had to deal with some some mental uh mess ups there uh, but i eventually got through it and then you know, here I am. So back through 2019, you experienced your first senior team, but it was kind of a a weird thing because Worlds was so late that year. <laughs> was, yeah, I, honestly, for me, I was like, I still got to run. Like, I was out of college hoping that I was kind of done, and then I made the team. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, I came in, you know, just for kind of the experience because, uh like I said before, I got hurt at trial, so I had a few things I had to go through. So for those of you who don't know or don't remember, 2019 was in Doha. So going through an entire collegiate season and having a world championship in what October? <laughs> yeah, it was it was late. It was extremely late, and we know how late that is for collegiate. So major props to you because I mean, you still went out there and did what you needed to do. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, I was going to ask if you were glad that the champs championships were later since you were dealing with that injury, or was that more like a dang, like now I got to hold this off even longer? Uh, what was that question again? I didn't quite hear that. So because you got injured, was it kind of a, re a slight relief that you had that time to get a little bit better going into the world championships or was it like a uh, dang <laughs> this is dragging uh, gotta stay healthy it was kind of a kind of both like honestly when I got hurt I was like oh well, I can take my break now but then I, I made the team so I was like okay well now I gotta push through this and um when I ended up going to Doha I I was physically ready to go but mentally I wasn't really there because I always took pride in like not getting injured because I remember seeing my teammates like getting injured left and right. And I was always that guy that was like a workhorse and never really got injured. So when I got injured, uh, it, mentally, I I wasn't right because I, I really didn't trust my, my body at the time, even though I was ready to actually go. So, you know, right before I ran in the first round at Doha, um, my coach and I, you know, were practicing and I did pretty well in a rep. So like, yeah, we're ready to go. And once I was running through the race, uh, I guess I had some scar tissue that was breaking up still. So I had like a little pop in my hamstring and I was always like nervous and scared. Like, okay, my hamstring's about to pull. So I just let up. Mm. Oh. So I had to mentally kind of just get right before, I, you know, being a better athlete. So what was a learning experience for you with 2019? Um. Honestly, just taking care of my body a lot better. Um, I mean, coming from college, so being in JUCO, we didn't have all the necessary uh, tools that we needed to actually stay healthy. We had like one trainer for amongst you know five different sports, so she wasn't always available. And then, you know, we had like 20 kids and you didn't want to stay like two hours after practice just trying to wait to get your turn and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just self-maintenance by yourself is something that I learned that I needed to work on. So after my injury, just just started taking care of my body a little bit more. And yeah, it's definitely helped out a lot. You turned pro in 2019. And I always feel like it's such a strange time for the ones that went pro in 2019 and then 2020 as well, because we had this COVID year. What was COVID like for you in training and getting through that whole process? It was weird. Um, I mean, honestly, the whole year, though, it was it was good for me because, like I said, coming from the injury, I had to mentally get right. So that just gave me time to actually, like, trust my body and get ready for 2021. But, I mean, the whole year was just weird, not knowing if you had meets and just training for half the year, like, just, you know, not knowing anything. Like, okay, why are we training? Like, you don't have a meet to go to. So, you know, just mentally discouraging and all that. And, you know, just... Finding out one point we were on the track that we train on every day and then all of a sudden the school's closed. So we got to find somewhere else to, to run. And then we have to find other alternate ways to keep ourselves in shape. Uh, at one point we're on the park um, doing some runs and the park is closed because there's too many people there. And then there's another point we're on a, a bike trail, just you know riding a bike uh, for about 30 minutes to 40 minutes. And then uh, one thing I actually kind of enjoyed is we ended up doing some boxing. <laughs> so I don't know like I said it was just a weird time we were just doing anything to stay in shape so and I actually liked boxing it's I have high respect for boxers now I didn't realize how hard it was until I actually started it but yeah but 20 20 year was just weird definitely a weird year but you know we all got through it and 
we're all ready for 2021. I know for, like I said, for me, it was beneficial, but a lot of other athletes that had momentum coming into that year, they lost it. And then, you know, they had to figure themselves out for 2021. And a lot of people that, you know, met expectations and others that didn't. Big bags. Yeah. Which leads us into this 2020-2021 Olympic year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you come back and you make this Olympic team, but it's such a unique team to make because you guys didn't necessarily get that full experience since we we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So mm -hmm. what was the Olympics like for you? Um, it was a cool experience to be in Japan and, you know, just be there for the Olympics to represent my country. Um, but then like, like you said, it was just during the whole pandemic. So no fans, didn't get to bring family, girlfriends, loved ones. Um, so, you know, it was just a weird feeling, uh, especially going through the rounds and not seeing anybody in the stands. It's like, you could say hello and it would echo kind of thing. Um, and then we had to take testing every, I think every morning we did a testing, a COVID test. So it was just kind of nerve wracking, you know, not knowing if you got it or not, or they also do the contact tracing. So if somebody had it and you're near them, then, you know, that's it for you. So uh, just, it, it was just, a, it was a weird experience, but, you know, I was happy to be there. And like I said, get a medal for USA and you know, just come back with that hardware. Where's your medal at right now? Uh, it's in my room right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to put it in a trophy case, oh. so. It's not lost. <laughs> no, it's not lost. <laughs> no, it's not lost. I still have it. <laughs> yeah, I think my my uh, my mom and everybody else would kill me if I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably so. Sometimes yeah. you talk to people and they be like, "Oh, I got so many that I don't even know where this one is." Now, and I'm like, "Man, if I'm not gonna hold you, I know it's just a, a piece of material. <laughs> but you would have to murder me and rip off my fingers." before <laughs> having to lose those, just so yeah. There's absolutely no way, could be me. <laughs> mm -hmm. but I, I gotta ask about the beds because there was so much controversy about the beds at Olympics because they were cardboard boxes. How did you feel about the beds? I wasn't comfortable, but it felt like, I don't know, for me, it just felt like a stiff, a stiff rock. Like it wasn't comfortable at all. Like I was so happy to come back home and actually be in a nice, decent bed. Like I didn't, I didn't like it at all. Also, do you wish that you guys had a training camp, or were you fine with getting there when you got there? I definitely believe that training camp would have helped us a lot more, especially when it comes to those relays. Because uh, I, I found this out recently, like recently, but you know, every year we always have a, a, a screw up in the relays and. We end up, we always end up doing it to ourselves. Uh, we don't put the athletes in the best situation to be successful. So, um, and I was pretty upset about the whole situation because I got fourth in the hundred. So I was on the relay pool and you know, just seeing us uh, mess up like that. I, I was very upset about it. So, you know, I just hopefully, hopefully we make better decisions to put the athletes in the best situation in the future. So. I think um, I'm hoping we got that learning lesson after that. <laughs> yeah. I think we've got it now. So hopefully yeah. it stays that way. So what are things or experiences that you hope to see in Paris that you didn't get to experience in Tokyo? 
number one, the fans, you know, just seeing a whole stadium full of people, you know, from all over the world. Uh, I mean, it'll mean a lot just to actually have that experience. Um, but yeah, Paris is just, it's going to be totally different. You know, COVID is kind of done with now, I guess. So I think everything by then is going to be back to normal. And, you know, I actually know what the Olympics feels like in all of its glory. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I got to ask before we move on to 2022. So you ran a sub 10 at Olympic trials. You seem to run really fast every time you're in Eugene, actually. Yeah. <laughs> every time. Because I went to go look at these results and I was just like, dang, do you like Hayward Field? Do you enjoy um... running? I, I do enjoy running on it, you know. It's definitely a fast track, and uh, I love enjoying. Uh, I like I enjoy running the hundred more than two hundred at the uh, Hayward Field. Um, That's actually going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. What were your thoughts too when you finally hit that sub ten at trials? Yeah. Uh just a sense of relief. Uh, I was nervous, like this is the first, last year was the first time I just came into trials, not really knowing what was going to happen because I was in shape, but not in the best shape just because of the injury that I had. So, um, you know, usually for me, I can just run whatever I want and be ready to go the next day. But this was a time where, you know, if I ran a little bit too hard in the first round, I, I wasn't going to be sure if I had enough for the second round. So, you know, finally running some 10, I was like, okay, like that felt pretty good. So, I guess I'm going to PR. Like, that's honestly what went in my head. Like, okay, 99, uh, 9.95. And then uh, I was like, okay, next round, I'm going to, you know, beat my personal best of 9.89. But I had some, uh, like I said, I didn't have that much training in the whole year. And I had a lot of things that I needed to work on. And, you know, it kind of messed me up. So, but I, I was definitely be I was definitely uh, happy to be able to run that fast at the right time. At the right time. Because now we could fast forward to... 2022 because you came back and and did the same things like you still running fast on Hayward Field so going through those rounds what was your thought process and how were you able to stay mentally focused uh I just have my routine that I follow and just made just made sure not to give it my all um you know get too excited and run a little bit too fast because there's always going to be people I'm, I'm like, I'm really competitive. So if I see somebody ahead of me, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to try to beat them. Uh, so, you know, if somebody was clearly ahead of me, like uh, I think I had a, a Ogandu or something like that at world, world Championships in front of me in one of my heats. And, you know, I just let them have it and then just made sure that I reserved enough energy for the finals. Man, and, and then the finals. <laughs> Can you walk me through that race? Yeah, I wasn't pretty happy about that. I mean, Noah freaking blasted that turn and destroyed everybody. I was pretty upset about it, but, you know, congrats to him. He worked his butt off to be able to have a good turn like that. But, you know, just in my mind, just, you know, I was there. Um, all the hard work I did and a couple months prior, just, you know, I laid it all on the line on that that race and I gave it my all and, you know, I got ended up getting second. I, I was you know, pissed about it because I didn't, my girlfriend calls me Mr. Number Two sometimes just to kind of, <laughs> uh, just to kind of like, you know, 
like, hey, you gotta work harder kind of thing. She's my biggest supporter. So, um, you know, I don't want to be that guy that keeps racking up silver. So I was just like, oh, dang, like I was close again kind of thing. Um, but like considering all the circumstances, you know, I was very happy uh, to be on the podium again. You better than me. If my significant other called me Mr. Two, I would be crying. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's out of love, so like I said I before, be she's my biggest supporter, so. <laughs> so it works out because you know that she's supporting you. <laughs> yeah. I would still cry. I'm sensitive. Don't tell me I, I can't handle it. She just knows the motivation, <laughs> so it's okay. Yeah, she definitely motivates me to be a better athlete, so. Love that. So with 2022, it was here in the U.S. Was there any extra excitement for making this team or was it just kind of another team to make for you? Uh, I think it was just another team to make. I, I, I wasn't really overly excited about it. I don't know. It, it felt weird for me. Like, you know, we ended up going to Tokyo for Olympics and the you know, 2019 world champs was in Doha and like, it was definitely great to have it at home. But for, I don't know, when I was there, it was just like, it just felt like another me. I was like, okay, you know, I've been to this track again, like four other times. So I was just like, okay, we're here now. Let's get this over with kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, for me, it was just like another meet. It, it was just a lot easier, you know, travel wise and stay and everything. And I was able to have um, some of my family there and some of my supporters there. So it was uh, good for me to be able to have some of my, my uh, team, um, there to support me so and then with that overall experience because I think some people have really really high standards of what we expected the world championships to be since it was here in America and then some people weren't as excited do you feel like when you got there was your experience like kind of what you expected a world championship to be or were you underwhelmed or overwhelmed at all what was that like for you what was what's the scale for you it was like I said before, it just it just felt like another meet to me. So when I went there, I kind of expected everything. I mean, I've been through it before. Uh, like I said, we've been to the Olympics and obviously it wasn't the full thing, but um, I mean, they did a pretty good job with hosting it. I was a little worried because I was like, how are we going to fit all these people in this this little, uh, you know, it's not little, but considering all the other tracks I've been to that, you know, state is built for that entire thing. I was like, okay, how are they going to do this? You know, stay wise, all that. But yeah, they ended up doing a really good job with hosting uh, us and then, you know, all the people from around the world. It was, it was a pretty good meet. Fan check, because you talked about missing the fans in Tokyo. How did you feel about the fans in Eugene? Oh, the fans in Eugene, was, it was nice. You know, being able to, uh, you know, they announce our names and you just hear them scream for us. Um, it definitely put a smile on my face. But I definitely love the energy they had out there and, you know, I'm hoping to feel that energy everywhere else. So I don't know if you listened to me and Jasmine's podcast when we interviewed Noah, but I just want you to know he went to war about you because he got on our asses to say it lightly. Because when we uh, was having, it was one of our post post race <laughs> days out in Eugene, mm -hmm. and. Uh, me and Jasmine being the spring people, we were supposed to know everybody's specialties. And so when they asked us what your specialty was, we was like, hold oh. on, wait a minute, because I let me let me clarify this because also my connection was breaking up at the time when he when he was talking about it. But 
I didn't just say that he, you didn't have a specialty. I said, I feel like you're so advanced in every single part. Bro, I was about to say that. So no, I, I, I got some stuff to work on. I, I was about to say that. <laughs> Let me get that. Uh, but we were just like, yeah, like the dude is just so fast. He's just great at everything. And Noah was just like, now I'll have you know. <laughs> and Noah, if you listen to this, don't with my ass. He was like, I'll have you know, Kitty is one of the best starters on this planet. He was getting down to the numbers and all of it. And I was like, I feel like a complete and total shithead. I'm not <laughs> right now. <laughs> but like I said, that boy went to war about you and was like, yo, like this is this man's thing. And everybody needs to know this because he's going to eat you up on that turn, just so y'all know. But I want to know for you, um, do you feel like your turn and your start is the best thing that you have to offer in your 200 or do you feel like it's something else? No, I, I, I can agree with that. Um, I don't know, just the Olympic year, um, just training and everything, trying to work on everything. And then my first race, just, I don't know, I flipped the switch and my start was just crazy. Um, and I've been working on that. And the last things I've been trying to work on is the last 50 meters in my race because you know, my start is so good and I'm trying to build off that so I can actually extend my lead. Um, I've had an issue with, you know, having a lead and then kind of letting it, you know, go at the last 50 meters. So I'm definitely trying to work on that. But yeah, uh, I would say I'm one of the best starters for the 200 meters. Um, you know, I just, I don't know, I just give it my all on that turn. I wish it was the same for the 100 meters. I don't know why it's, <laughs> right? it's just difficult for me to kind of have that same mentality in the 100. I don't know why. So that's something I've been trying to work on. But yeah. It's the bend. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why. Those starts are very different. They're very, mm -hmm. very different. <laughs> so every nation slash every event kind of has their big three. And what I mean by big three, people look at these three individuals and they just like, it is no way in hell that anybody is getting past them. And every year it's just going to be a toss up on whether or not who gets first, second, and third. And mm -hmm. so I feel as though for the 200 and luckily, uh, all of you guys are American. It's you, Arion, and Noah. And so I want to know what it feels like to be a part of the top three. Because every time when someone talks about the two hundred, it's like we like we can't get we can't get past these three. Like I remember we were interviewing um another person uh almost a month ago now. Ooh, but they were like, okay, when I was deciding between um running for a different country and running for the USA, like one of my thoughts was like. Am I genuinely going to be able to get past these three at USA Trials? Not that, not that they're not slow. Like they know they fast, but they're like, it's y'all mm -hmm. three that I have to deal with. So I want to mm -hmm. know how that feels for you to to be to be the big dog in this game. It's, it's cool to be up there and to be a big three. Um, I remember what was it, at Tokyo. Uh, I was kind of expecting that same thing. You know, one, two, three Americans, and then Andre kind of derailed that. Um, I was I was remembering remembering the the back before we went on to uh, the track. I was talking to Noah and I was kind of like, "Hey, you ready to make a sweep?" And we're like, "Yeah." So I kind of started doing that little broom, that sweeping motion. <laughs> and then Andre, you know, came in and you know shocked us all. Uh, but yeah, just to be part of the big three, it's a it's an amazing experience. I mean, we're all hard workers, and we all every time we step on the track, we know it's going to be one, two, three, and you know we just all go back. Uh, practice and grind it out because we know we're all going to lay it lay it all on the line um you know every single time I see Arian and Noah I, I know that I got to give it my all or they're gonna you know edge me out so hmm. 
I think the cool thing is that even though y'all aren't like on a relay together, like obviously y'all racing each other individually, but mm. I feel like it's nice to be able to show up and be like, you know, I don't train with these dudes and we're not on a relay together, but I already know they're going to do what they got to do. So I ain't even got to worry about nothing. Just do what I have yeah. to do. Make sure, <laughs> and make sure well, all of us are on the podium or as high as we can get. Cause you know, everybody obviously wants to be first, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, I want to know what race, or moments solidified for you um, internally that you weren't just another athlete, that you were somebody that other people had to worry about? Um, I would say uh, in the Olympic year, I had two races where I felt like I, I kind of solidified myself, which was one that was in uh, uh, Gateshead. It was raining and um, I had my teammate Aaron and I think Andre was there and you know, it was pretty cold and I, I ended up having a really good lead in the race and um you know just won the race and I kind of for me that was like a a um I'm here you know I made like I've arrived kind of moment um and I I guess another one would have been uh who was that uh what's that track it was a, my opener when I was racing Noah, I I forgot what the meet was called. It was in California. What's that one called? Mount Sac. Uh, yeah, Mount Sac. So, and this is an Olympic year. I I ended up blasting the turn and I ate him up. And you know, he had it. He ended up getting me at the last thirty meters. And honestly, during that race, I was kind of like, I got this, and I I got too overconfident. And that was kind of I felt like that was kind of I have a ride motor. But then he you know snuffed that away from me. But that that was a pretty good race of mine as well. <laughs> so i want to know some of your thoughts on you know the 200 elevating and i feel like we can say that now when you've got 18 year olds running 19.4 and you've got noah with the american record now um so i want to know what your thoughts are on just the fact that this this game is changing and changing for the better yeah it used to always be the 100 meters and now it's just the two now the 200 so elevated and you got me noah arian and you got a lot of other young athletes are coming up too. Um, Joseph Fambole, uh, the Ogandu kid, um, you know, just every year there's always somebody new. So, you know, that just makes us work our butts off even more um, because, you know, we can't be too uh, relaxed. You know, there's always going to be other people out there that are going to be gunning for that medal. So right. uh, it's definitely, definitely an exciting time uh, to have so much competition. I love the competition because, like I said before, I, it just strives me to be better every single time I get on the track. Speaking of always trying to be better, um, if, you know, 15 years from now, let's say someone brought up your name, what would you want them to think of or say in terms of like the legacy that you left behind? Well, when I'm done with track and field, uh, I want to be the one guy that's done something that no one else has have done. No one else has done. So I, I want to submit my legacy to, as the best track and field runner to ever do it. Um, and that's what I've been trying to work on, all the, the small things, the big things, diet, everything, just trying to be able to get to that elite status to where, you know, I can be on the very top, be the pinnacle of track and field. Yes, yes. All right, Jazzy, we can have fun now. <laughs> okay, great. <clears throat> well, I mean, you kind of, because I was going to say, what do you see yourself accomplishing in the next five to 10 years? And so now I got to know, like, you want to leave this legacy and for these next coming years, we got some major championships coming up. What, what can we expect to see from you? Well, 
I'm going to be gunning for that gold every single year. So, uh, especially in them records, uh, I definitely see my, I think I have the talent and the work ethic to be able to get Bolt's record in a few years. Um, so, you know, when, it, like I said, in the next few years, I, I want gold medals and records. Uh, that's the standard I have for myself. And I think that we've uh, kind of debunked the whole age with our sport thing. I think we're starting to debunk that a little bit on the sprint side. Mm -hmm. So do you see yourself going to 2028? How old would I be then? I'm not, I'm not going to do that mental math, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, um, I just got to make sure that I do everything right to prolong this body and make sure that, you know, I can be healthy enough to, to run for that long. So I, I definitely can see it in the future. Wait, how old are you? Because I'm not going to lie to you. Even though I know you was in JUCO in 2019, for whatever reason, I thought you was grown as hell, like 28 at least this whole time. Uh, <laughs> I know um, some people... Some people think I'm a little bit older because of my beard. Uh, I, I feel like once I shave that, I'll look my age, but um, I just turned 24 in October. So, yeah. Caitlin, <laughs> he's still a whole grown man. You realize you're a grown woman? No. I feel no. like you're calling me old right now. No, he's going to be grown. He'll be grown when he turns 27. That's when he'll be grown. That's, that's when I'm grown? Yes, that is when you'll be grown. That's oh, how okay. Jasmine grown right now because she's 27. <laughs> I'm not even 27. Get, get your ages right. I'm about to be 29. Get it together. <laughs> Extra grown. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm moving on from you because I'm not about to do this with you. <laughs> it happens every week. I love it. Every time. I She's got this thing against older. I don't have nothing against her. I just feel as though you got to be proud of you and your accomplishments. My daddy said you had to live to get old. Okay. That's <laughs> my eyes roll them because they rolled down the street. <laughs> yeah. Ask your question. Okay. So we know Kenny on the track, but who is Kenny off the track? I'm a pretty chill guy. Um, I have two dogs. I have a husky and a gold doodle so you know i spend time with them and um i feel like i'm just a simple guy come home um i like to party a little bit with my girlfriend and some of my friends not too crazy though uh well when track and field when the track season starts i don't do anything and um you know off season i i love having a good time i love traveling uh we ended up going to uh we went to thailand and we went to india so i had a good time out there um i play video games i love anime um well there's a lot of things i like to do i, I wish i could do like because i was a multi-sport athlete in high school so um i would do a lot of other stuff like uh basketball and i wish i could play some flag football but you know obviously i can't do that right now but um you know i, I love being outdoors and just having you know fun with nature and everything so what are your dog's names that's important. Uh, the Husky, uh, his name is Rambo. Um, I, I named it that because I was kind of like, okay, he's a Husky. You know, Huskies kind of have that killer look. So I was like, okay, that's his name. A lot of people are scared of him because, you know, he just looks, you know, I guess scary. But like, oh, is he friendly? Yeah, he's friendly. Um, and then Coco is the, the golden doodle. Oh, 
I think the most important question though is where are the dogs so I can steal them. <laughs> oh, where are they? Like, yeah, but pretend like you didn't hear that last part, you know. Right. I don't know if I should tell you, but <laughs> <laughs> don't don't you end up stealing our dogs, you'll probably give Rambo back. He's he's uh too crazy. You know, Husky's got a lot of energy. They got they so do, much. Jasmine, what no. You yeah, they live with me for like three weeks over the summer. <laughs> what do you do with your dogs while you're traveling? Uh, we take them to uh, a, a dog sitter uh, that lives on a, I guess on a farm. Like it's like a mini farm, so they have a lot of space to where they can run and everything. And she's pretty good. Um, oh, nice. Travel wise, we haven't we we let them travel with us uh, with us if we're driving somewhere. But plane wise, we haven't done that yet. Um, uh, we're going back up to Wisconsin to see my mom. I'm thinking about bringing Rambo on the plane. Uh, they're both certified service dogs, so I'm trying to see how that goes. Hey, you went the smart way about it, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. We we're not going to put them underneath the plane. That's. Uh, we, I think Rambo would be fine, but Coco, he's very. Uh, he has a high anxiety, so I'm like, okay, if he went down there, he probably he probably die. <laughs> <laughs> Coco's oh, gonna be like, who put me down here? Why is oh, this? <laughs> That's ridiculous. And then um, this one's gonna kind of go back to sports. Can you describe your worst sports performance? But what did you learn from that experience? Well, we ran a lot of races. I gotta think. Uh for me, my worst sports performance as a pro. Let's do as a pro. Let's do as a pro. Hmm. Well, twenty twenty one was pretty good. Uh, shoot. Uh. Honestly, uh, the only thing I can say is that one race I had in. Uh, what was uh, right after Worlds? I I was running against Arian and. I ended up running like 21 something because I, I, I had an injury, but, um, or I can say the a one in Paris where I had the race when I was running, running against Fred and I ended up screwing up on the turn and I lost all my momentum and, you know, me and Fred were kind of fighting back and forth and we ended up running the same time and, uh, he beat me and I, I was, I was pissed about that because, uh, you know, right after I saw that, I saw on Twitter, he was like, greatness, baby. So I was like, God dang it. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I just you'll learn. Just uh, I mean, I got I'm at a point now to where I know exactly, like if I mess up, I know exactly what I did. So that was a learning experience for me in that race in Paris because I knew exactly what I did wrong, and then I just made sure to clean that up for the next race. How has making these teams made you a better athlete? Hmm. No, I, every single time I make the team, I always want more. Uh, you know, making the team is one thing, but then being able to medal is another. So every single time I make the team, you know, you know, uh, sense of relief is gone. And, you know, I just want to be, like I said, I want to be the best to ever do it. So, you know, get back to practice and work on all the small detailed things, uh, you know, training-wise, uh, diet-wise, and sleeping. Like, I try to make sure to improve on all of that every single year. Uh, I make the team because um, honestly, for me, I feel like making the team is a given. It's just 
what I do at Worlds that matters because I have high expectations for myself. So every single time if I lose a race, like I, I always know I end up messing something up to lose that race. Um, you know, a lot of people see me like, especially what was it like at Olympics at at pre, uh, uh, even Worlds this year, every single time I, I get first or second or, you know, third, um, I'm, I'm never satisfied. Um, a lot of people think that I'm not happy. I mean, I am happy when I get a medal, but I'm always, you know, thinking about, you know, improve, improvement, self-improvement every single time I lose a race or every single time I win a race, but I didn't run the time that I wanted to run. Um, so like I said, yeah, just making making the teams, you know, it just gives me time to better myself and, you know, be a better athlete every single time I step on the track. All right. If your current training group, which is includes coaches and staff, everybody, if they could describe you in five words, what words would they be? Describe me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm just a simple guy. So uh, I'm just Kenny. Kenny. Uh, there's a quiet guy. Um, I guess they say I'm low key funny. Uh, I can say some funny stuff every now and then, but honestly, I don't know. For me, I, I'm just a simple guy. Uh, just, you know, hey, it's Kenny, you know, out here busting his butt, goes home. <laughs> like I said, I'm just a simple guy. Yeah, I just get on the track, get the job done, and I come back and, you know, Eat, sleep, repeat kind of thing. <laughs> so where has been the best food that you've eaten at? And where has been the worst country? Food-wise, well, since I went to India, uh, to me, I think they have the best foods. They got so many spices. They love, uh, you know, they love their spices out there. I tried so many different foods out there, and I loved it. Um, also, Thailand has pretty good food. Uh, so Thailand and India, uh, to me, they have the best foods, but the worst so far for me was UK and Gateshead. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I I do not like their food at all. It's so dry and, and bland. <laughs> but then I also have a, I have a gluten allergy too, so it kind of makes it harder to be able to uh, eat some of the stuff. Oh, poor Kenny. Yeah, every single time, every single time I go to uh, was it Frankfurt when we're traveling, go to Frankfurt, Germany, and they, I guess they love bread out there. I hate that airport because every single time I'm struggling trying to find something that doesn't contain bread. Oh my gosh, that ooh. Yeah, that, that that's awesome. a that was a big struggle. My before the Olympic year started, I found I had the a gluten allergy because. Um, my stomach gets inflamed and I just end up having a lot of stomach problems. So I had to get rid of that. And that was, that was hard. Cause you know, everything contains wheat, gluten, and just, yeah. it's crazy. So uh, every now and then I cheat. I got to, to stay sane. So in the off season, I'll be eating a lot of gluten. Okay. That's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> okay so talking about our sport and making it better what do you think we can do better as a sport to amplify it in the united states uh i just think we need to do a better job of promoting the athletes uh i don't really feel i mean a lot of us have to self-promote so we have a lot of athletes that are doing that now but i feel like 
just, you know, I know they're not going to do it, but, you know, Nike, Adidas running, all of them, like, kind of promote us a little bit more because um, nobody – I mean, if you're watching track and field, you you know who we are. But anybody that might be interested or I have no clue, like, they, they don't have a clue. Uh, there's not really enough promo promoting out there for any of us. So uh, you can only do so much doing it by yourself. So just a little help with uh, the bigger companies, I think that would help a little bit. Big facts. I, I like that answer. What are three things that you're grateful for about last season? Uh, I'm grateful for, you know, making the team and like I said, re representing USA again um, at the biggest stage, getting a silver medal. So there's that. And then, then coming out of the season somewhat healthy, um, you know, and just having a great support team, you know, family mom uh, my brother sister coach and you know my girlfriend all of them uh helped me uh, to be a better person every single day on and off the track so you know those three things now caitlin take it away okay <laughs> welcome to the dark side you gotta deal with me <laughs> no i'm playing um, so i don't know if i brought this up to you before i've i don't yeah my memory is complete crap uh but oh, i got a bad memory too <laughs> there is this twitter account man they is 10 toes down behind you like i don't know it's crazy i just want you to know when you win gold because you know we speak things into existence in this house but when you yeah. win gold <laughs> it's gonna be one person on this planet that's gonna be like i've been he was gonna do it and so they, they used to be called comfortable kitty updates but now they're called track and field updates <laughs> oh wow <laughs> I'm gonna oh, read you. What you say? I said that's good to know. <laughs> um, oh, no, they're called, name back. <laughs> they're called track and field reports, track underscore reports. And I'm gonna no. read you. I'm gonna read you three <laughs> tweets. <laughs> These people, they love you, bro. The first one says, Kenny Bednarik is the most highly underrated track and field athlete out there. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Period. <laughs> Y'all give him his respect. He beat your overhyped kid after a toe fracture. He will always show up. He will always be on the podium. Exclamation point. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that's some love there. That's great love, for real. I that. <laughs> the next one says, disclaimer, content posted on this page is not taken or created by me. It's collected from all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok of Kenny Bignarek. Media outlets, track tours, and posted here. I'm just a big fan from Wisconsin where he's already a legend. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one says i thought y'all would have learned by now to stop overlooking him <laughs> period <laughs> so i want to oh, know i want to know how does it feel to have a fan account rocking behind you at every step of the way because they hey, that's amazing i guess they say some of the stuff that i'm thinking um <laughs> but that's that's definitely love right there i definitely appreciate that um <laughs> You know, uh, I, I guess it was for me it went, when you said the tweet about uh, I thought you would learn by now to not disrespect him. I think it's kind of funny because like coming in the world, you know, I know the hype between Noah and Aaron and then I kind of snuck in there and got the second. Yeah. So I was like, OK, I was kind of that guy. That I was like, OK, I see y'all having your little 
a little beef, I guess. And then I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit down a little right here in the middle between y'all. So. Oh my goodness. That's definitely, yeah. I love that. That's that's nice to to have some big supporter like that. That's funny. Yes. Yes. I think we all need a little fan like that because if I did, you wouldn't be able to tell me nothing. I would, I would be with my record holder already by now. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> it would just all be mine. Yeah. Um, but this whole time you were like, oh, I'm so quiet. I'm so simple. Your TikToks and reels, you might be quiet, but you was one funny person. And so I want to know how you got into making all these TikToks and reels because you, you got some laughs. Oh, you know, we're just trying to improve my brand. So uh, we end up going, uh, uh, my agent knows uh, Warren Ware. So we end up working with him because he does a little bit of content creating and, you know, you're trying to, you know, let people know who I am as a person, but also kind of sprinkle a little bit of uh, funny comedy in there. So, yes, you know, yes. try to be a little uh, relatable to people, you know, that know exactly what I feel, you know, how you feel at the track and how you feel towards coach and everything. So just trying to be relatable towards everybody and kind of build my brand. Keep it up. That's important. Because trust me, when yeah, I be seeing you. them, I be like, yeah, that's definitely me. Exactly, exactly. There's one that we posted that that a lot of my teammates loved. It was like being the being one of the first people to run. Like when practice is done, you know, be one of those people that are running to your car just to go home. I, I'm that, and that's me all the time. Like every single time we're getting done with the workout, and sometimes my teammates be chilling. I'm looking at them like, we're done, right? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm leaving because I I have no time to chill. I don't want to stay here longer than I have to. I'm out and I dip. So I'm just like, see ya. Like I'm going home. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, you guys wanna you guys wanna be here, that's fine. I'm leaving. Cause I like I said, I'm it's like I'm training with y'all all day, every day, like half the year. I ain't trying to stay any longer than I have to. Yeah. Big mood. <laughs> You talked about how you're a big anime guy. And so my favorite anime right now is... Oh, Ami you like anime? Yes. Yes, she yes, does. yes I do. I'm staring, at, <laughs> I'm staring at my Naruto poster because I can see right through my room right now. I got a Naruto and Sasuke poster hanging right over the top of my bed. And I have to watch that One Piece episode today. But I have to who's, your, who's your favorite character on Naruto? My favorite character? Ugh, who is it? Cause I'm rewatching it right now. So now it's changing, but as of right now, cause I just uh, started rewatching the first one. I'm gonna have to say Jiraiya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be so yeah. sad. I'm gonna be so sad again. I don't want to go through that again, but I don't have, I don't have nothing else to watch with my life. So I'm just going to relive that pain all mm -hmm. over until I have nothing else to do with myself. Yeah. But who's your favorite character? Uh, it used to be soft skin and he kind of became, you know, I guess emo, you know, when he left the village and everything. Yeah. But yeah. I like uh, Naruto's dad, uh, Minato or Minato. And then yeah. I would say Kakashi is my favorite, though. Kakashi be hitting. He do be hitting. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he OP <laughs> in some ways. Uh, he definitely is. Um, but I would say outside of Jiraiya, uh, Pain and Toby were my favorite for a while just because. 
I don't know, when Payne pulled up to the village and he let them know, he was like, I'm not going to oh, I know. <laughs> I, I, I had my mom, uh, when that stuff was coming out, I was watching it in the living room, so my mom kind of got hooked on it, and her favorite character was Jariah. Yes. Just because, and, and when he died, like, she cried. Because <laughs> oh, the way that he died was so crazy. It's like, you really just going to, like, stab him in the back and let him fall into the ocean. Yeah. It was really like, when I was watching, I'm like, he's gonna something's gonna happen he's gonna escape and then you saw that he actually died he's like oh no oh no <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a sad moment it was definitely a sad moment it was bad because i because before i started watching naruto like i would always see the stuff on twitter because i mean naruto mm -hmm. popular and so i remember seeing this picture of like naruto and jiraiya together and then the picture mm -hmm. of naruto at his grave and i was like oh so i guess what? this dude died <laughs> And so then I started watching the show like the next year and I was like, yeah, <laughs> so bad. I've been trying to get, I've been trying to get my girl to watch it, but she can't get past the first part, you know, when they're younger and kids. Cause she's like, oh, uh, you know, Naruto's always spewing believe it crap and everything. Sasuke's all broody and then Sakura is annoying. I'm like, I'm just like, just, you gotta, you know, you gotta get through it. And then later on, it'll Excuse be better. Me. Trust me, trust me. <laughs> Because I was the same way. I was like, yo, Sakura's annoying. Naruto needs to shut up. Sasuke's yeah. <laughs> like, this whole show is a mess. But now yeah. I can't, I, it's it's my one true love. But I wanted to ask you, do you obviously watch one of the best anime of all time, which is One Piece? No. Yuck. No, I don't. No? Watch, I don't. I don't know. Oh, we busted. I don't know why, but I just never got into it. My brother was watching. And I was looked at him watching. I'm like, nah, it's not for me. I don't know why. But and it's also just it's too late. I can't get into it. You know, it's so long. It's it's too long. No, I need y'all to understand. I can't do it. I need y'all to understand. This rubber boy, he gonna be king of the pirates one day. I don't know when it's gonna be. Probably not. You be still not the king yet. <laughs> wait, wait another, wait another three hundred episodes, and he might, he might make it. Maybe. I promise you, you're almost there. I bet on this episode today, he one step closer. They selling me dreams. I can't do it. <laughs> oh my god! No, everybody listening, you have to watch One Piece. Okay. He said he's one step closer on an episode. He one step, one closer. step closer, and it's been like 600 episodes. Heck no, 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 no. <laughs> After you, it's been about 1,330, but you know, uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you guys are too loyal to that <laughs> anime, bro. Stop playing with Luffy because he must, he he's whooping everybody, he's whooping everybody. That's all I got to say. <laughs> mm. What's your favorite uh anime? Uh, favorite, I would just say is Naruto. Uh, there's there's Naruto, Bleach, and uh, there's one other one. I like Jujutsu Kaisen or Demon Slayer right now. As you should. As yeah, you Th those are the ones I like. I like I like a, a lot of others, but you know they're too short and they're you know just kind of like uh, it's another good one. Um, oh, in uh, Death Note, yes, that's that anime. 
that anime I got her into, and she actually enjoyed it. So I was like, yeah. See, Y'all I was about done, to say, so. she, she's like me. I watched Death Note, and I liked it. Man. That's it. Man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, yeah, Demon Slayer is something I love right now. I'm just, it just sucks right now because I got to wait for the next season. And, you know, so I, I like to read uh, the books just to kind of know what happens. I don't have the patience to wait, the patience to wait, so. Please don't tell me what happens. Do you read? Do you read the? Do you read the JJK manga, Jujutsu Kaisen? The what? Jujutsu Kaisen manga. Do you read that one? No, I haven't read that one. Uh, the ones I've been reading is uh, Dragon Ball Super because I also watch that too. Um, mm -hmm. And like uh, a little bit of Boruto, I don't really like it that much, but I'm like kind of like okay, let me see what's going on, kind of thing. Like, it's kind of I don't know I it's kind of like after watching the whole series of Naruto and then kind of going back to little kids and then yeah I don't know there's just a lot of weird crap going on and I'm just like I don't know I'm not really feeling Boruto but I keep tabs on it um but yeah it's right now just no Jujutsu Kaisen it's just uh Naruto I mean not Naruto uh what was I saying before I lost my Demon Slayer. yeah Demon Slayer and then something else so yeah I heard Demon Slayer is about to get active like it wasn't just getting active but it's about to get more active so oh <laughs> demon slayer i don't know just the graphics and everything especially during fight scenes are crazy i love every moment of it every second it's that's something i've been trying to get her into as well but like i said i'm trying to ease our way into <laughs> making her become a big giant fan yes come on if you need me i'm saying if you need me to talk to her i can convince people <laughs> I, I can convince you. Okay, I'm good. I'm good at this. The way there is, you just you gotta start with like the small cutesy anime stuff before mm -hmm. you into that. Like, oh. yes. I'm telling you right now, you gotta start with the small cutesy stuff and then lead over there. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh one more. Attack on Titan. The ghost of too. all ghosts. Yeah, I for, I can't believe I forgot that, yes. but I I love that anime too. Yes, the goats of all goats. The story. Get closer to your mic, Caitlin. Stop moving away from your mic. Wait, okay, hold on, wait. I, listen, because I was thinking about this again yesterday because he literally, he, he made his own life, bro. Like he mm -hmm. literally created everything himself. Like that one scene where he was talking to his daddy, he was like, you came here for a reason, man. And do your job. But I was like, this man literally sat here and created his entire like that's no, no. I I I'm still stuck on it. And when they release this last season coming up in January, I'm gonna have a heart attack. That's all. <laughs> RIP. Hey, at least you're telling us. <laughs> yeah, you're you're invited to the funeral. You can invite everybody else. We're gonna have one big party. I don't want nobody crying when okay. I die. So you know, all right. It's gonna be a great time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right i'm done i'm done there's there's nothing else that i have all right kenny thank you so much for joining us uh i know we kind of went a while but you know we, no, we it's fine. hour 15 <laughs> we, had a, we had a good time it was great conversation i really appreciate it and i'm excited to see what you do this season we're here okay. we're excited all right, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, you know, gearing up for this season and ready to roll.
Out of the Blocks is a production of the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll be back next week with another super fun guest. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics that you want to see us cover or interview, please do not be shy and send us a message on Instagram or Twitter. You can also follow us on Instagram at Out of the Blocks TF and be sure to check out the show's notes for all of me and Jasmine's personal social media handles. Be sure you're subscribed to your favorite podcast player so you're not missing an episode. And you already know it's me, Caitlin Hutchison, and we'll see you next time on Out of the Blocks.